This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rutgers Rant. Politi here, Fonseca Lenny, joining me as always. I say this every week, but I mean it this time. We have a lot to talk about, a ton We've got to recap the 52-3 to victory over Wagner and all of the ramifications there. We've got uh, each of us took a journey into the scene at the, the boardwalk and at the game, especially me for the entire game. We can talk about that. We have our first guest ever on the podcast. Of course, it's nepotism. But that's okay. Candace Lanny, one of the greatest Ivy League field hockey players of all time. I can say that because I can say that. We'll be on later to talk about Field hockey, and uh, most of all, we've got to we're going to hype it one more time. Thursday night, downtown New Brunswick. The next episode of this pod after today will be recorded in front of a live studio audience, just like the sitcoms of my youth. Fellas, how about that? Huh? We got a lot going on. Almost makes you wonder if we have enough time to talk all about it all. We have two episodes worth of stuff to talk about in one afternoon, so I'm looking forward to it. We're going to make it work, though. That's just the kind of that's just the kind of people we are. All right, so let's dive in. Talk about the game. I think it was certainly the score we all predicted. We all thought Rutgers would win and would cover the 46 and a half point spread that we invented. And they did. A solid performance, I thought. I you know, I, I think the main thing for me was watching Gavin Wimsett for an entire three quarters. I know you, I think, Brian, you were surprised he played that long, or at least by, by your questions. I think you thought it might have come out a little sooner. I was not surprised he played as much as he did. I thought he needed the reps and he uh, as much as possible in there to stay in there. Overall, a solid performance from the quarterback. So two things to start off. Uh, one, the spread was actually dead on. That was actually the spread I saw in most books on Saturday morning. So shout out to the Reddit folks for that. Two, thinking back, the fact that the games are shorter now with the new first down rules and there's less less plays for each team, I could understand that maybe what would have been pulling Gavin in the third quarter last year is now going to pull him in the fourth quarter. My point being that he probably had the same amount of reps as he had last year. It just went deeper into the game. But my thought is that the game is over. You don't need to pile on against Wagner. And I'm not sure how valuable those reps are against Wagner anyway, at more valuable than you'd get in practice. For example, I'm not quite sure. Um, and you risk injuring him because he, he didn't run that much aside from his two rushing touchdowns and a couple of design runs, but you never know how these things work and you don't want to be, there are a couple teams in, the Big Ten with quarterback situations, Iowa, for example, just lost their starting quarterback for the year. You just don't want to risk it. And you want to get your younger players. I know Evan Simon was out, but a Johnny Shepard played for one series in the fourth quarter. Maybe maybe give him two series. I don't think that that would hurt. And everything worked out well. Uh, my thought to that, and I think some fans, had, that's why I asked too, because some fans had asked us. I just think that I, I'm not sure the, the risk was worth it there. Pat, what did you think about that? And what did you think of his performance overall? I thought uh, leaving him in was was fine. Totally understand Shano's answer about getting him reps. He's a young quarterback, and it's his team. And I think the more that he's out there, the better it is. I thought he played a really good game. He's taking the steps forward, and like we said, we just we're seeing him grow before our eyes. And I, I think there's going to be a game where Rutgers is really going to need to rely on Gavin, and that's coming soon in one of these next three critical games. And he's going to have to put up some big numbers and and he's going to have to win a game for Rutgers. So uh, let's see it. I think so. I think if you're a little if you pull him too early in that game, you, you know, you're, you're you're taking the ball out of his hands and you don't want to do that at this point in the season. 
I guess that's the big question now with with this offense. Is this offense ready for these next three games? I mean, obviously the season we talked about at nauseum, the season here at Wisconsin, Michigan State, at Indiana. We will know if this team is potentially seven and one going into the Ohio State game, although Vegas does not think it's a realistic chance to win in Madison. We'll we'll talk about that later. Obviously, you know, but still uh, winnable games. I saw some flashes again from this offense. I, you know, obviously the, the Jaquay Jackson long diving catch was spectacular. Christian Dremel continues to get open. Now you've got four running backs scoring touchdowns, which is impressive. Greg Schiano five for five on fourth down. I guess my question is, okay, great against Wagner. Fine. Uh, we saw that the offense had some moments against Michigan, but now we have another big 10 defense. What do you think? Five games in, is this offense ready? I think the the floor is set for this offense that we know exactly what it's going to be. Run the ball first, stay ahead of the sticks, and make good throws to simplify things and not turn the ball over. So I think that foundation is set, and that's Big Ten ready. That's Big Ten football. That's what Minnesota did last year to be a successful team in the Big Ten. So I think that it is ready. I just... Those plays that Gavin made in the second half against Michigan, where he was throwing the ball downfield, I thought was the biggest step forward that we've seen from this offense so far. I still have some questions. You mentioned they're five for five on fourth down. It's kind of alarming. They had five fourth downs against Wagner, don't you think? Um, Good point. Yeah. I, I still, this team has led first in all five games, and the Michigan game is obviously a bit of a, an outlier in that not every team you're going to play is as good as Michigan. But I am curious to see what happens if this team does get punched first. If Wisconsin does go out to an early lead, are they built to come back? Can, like Pat's point, to Pat's point, can Gavin Wimsett lead a team to victory rather than kind of giving them an early lead and helping them coast to a win behind the run game, behind the strong defense? Um, I think he's going to need some help. I wrote this in the film review this morning. At some point, his defense has been great. They haven't gotten a big play, a pick six, a scoop and score, anything like that. I think he's going to need some help from there, maybe a special teams return, something to that effect to help him out in that situation. Because I'm I am not quite yet confident to say, yes, I see Gavin Wimsett down a touchdown, fourth quarter, they need a drive. Can he do it? I'm not confident. I haven't seen enough to be confident there yet. Um, so I think there's still some question marks. But I think that to the point where they're at now through five games, I think they've shown obvious improvement under Kirk Scirocco and under Wimsett. Uh, and now... They got to take that next step as the competition obviously takes the next step. And Wisconsin, 14-point favorites, tough matchup, tough place to play. Could be a signature win if they get it. I asked Greg Schiano about this. He kind of deflected that. It's a big spot. I'm curious to see how they do. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. It's it's a signature win to win at that program, to at this stage of the rebuild, to start 5-1. and one. I mean, this is a huge, this is, I think this is the biggest game of Greg Shano 2.0. And I know we can keep on saying that, like, we'll, we'll change, we'll, we'll up the ante in another game soon. No question. But given the stake, given where the program is, given the, the opponent. And again, you know, it's not certainly not beyond reason that they could go in there and pull the upset. Uh, I, I guess, you know, we have to see. And, and we'll, I think the other part about this is why this game is, this game is key. We're going to learn where this program is. Right, Pat? I mean, I, I guess. We've seen it. We've seen how it did against lesser opponents, and we know it's better than last year. We saw how it measured up against Michigan. Not quite there yet. Now here's something in between. This is a a game where Rutgers is going to have to probably go shot for shot with Wisconsin because Wisconsin's a really talented offense, and they can do a lot of things. They can run the ball really well. They have a mobile quarterback. It's kind of a there's kind of a, a mirror. It's kind of a mirror in a sense the way that Rutgers plays, the way that they can run and throw. The, the athleticism at quarterback, it, it mirrors Rutgers in that sense. But I can see a lot of points in this game from Wisconsin, and Rutgers is going to have to keep pace. And we haven't seen Rutgers really have to do that yet. They've been able to to nurse a lead, you know, hang on to a lead or, or blow things open late in games. This is going to be the first test for Rutgers to go out and make every possession count, essentially. Rutgers is going to have to score. They can't leave open possessions is what I'm saying. I want to push back on one thing you said, Pallady. This I don't know if it's the biggest game, only because of the 2021 finale against Maryland, you literally could have clinched the bowl game, and I think that would have been a big moment if they won that game. So I would say that's the biggest game, but I would agree that it's the biggest opportunity as far as okay. uh, iconic opponent, road venue, and attainable. I can't remember the last time this situation has happened where Rutgers realistically 
I mean, Nebraska is iconic, but they stunk last year. Iowa was, I guess, attainable, but it's Iowa. They're always kind of attainable the way they play. This team is an iconic Wisconsin team, iconic venue, and two touchdown underdogs. Not a great situation, but certainly not impossible. So I think it's probably the best opportunity they've had under Greg Schiano. Absolutely. All right. Before we move off Wagner completely, I want to talk about uh, two things. The young players who we saw out there and one familiar face we saw out there. And I think we we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Reggie Sutton. And uh, as I mentioned, I watched the game from the stands. And at one point, a friend of the pod named Beth Jolly, a longtime season ticket holder, asked me the question, like, do you, 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 you must root for them. Do you root for them? And I thought she meant rooting for the team. And I gave the old journalistic, you know, well, like we're, we're, we're not supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to be objective. We, we're not, we don't root for anybody. No cheering in the press box. And she said, no, do you root for the players? You get to know the players. Do you root for them? And the answer to that with, with a lot of these guys is absolutely yes. And, and Reggie Sutton is a great example of, you know, a, a, a dude that you saw what he went through and then you spend the two years knowing and hearing about him behind the scenes, what's going on. Oh, Reggie Sutton's still trying to, he's still trying to go. He's still working on it. So to see him take the field that, you know, in, in this game against Wagner, I get it. Meaningless game. Didn't play a lot. I don't know what his future is beyond this, but Pat, I mean, it's a pretty cool thing, right? You talked to him at length. You wrote a nice story about him. You got to pause and tip your hat to this kid. 738 days since his injury he was back on the field like that alone is is mind-blowing like the determination to never give up for this kid it was unbelievable he was talking about how he had a fight for every degree Uh, i was like what are you talking about degree (laughs) but he was talking about the angle to bend his knee like he had to go degree by degree and every single time he was taking incremental steps in this recovery, it was just brutally painful. 12-hour rehab sessions every day. His teammates could hear him screaming from the training room. He measured his progress. And, uh, okay, today I was able to walk upstairs like you wrote, Pulity. Uh, it's just, it was a remarkable comeback. And these are the kinds of injuries that it should have been a career-ending injury. And for this kid to fight back, Shiano obviously noted that it was one of the greatest comebacks he's ever been involved with. And Shiano also, I could sense the emotion just coming off of him. You saw the the huge hug when Reggie came off the field, but even in his post-game press conference, Shiano was choking on his words a little bit. And you could just tell that he was, he really meant how much this really meant to him and the program as a whole. The other reaction to the crowd fellas was, when the, in that last drive, when when the young players really were the entire team, and uh, Fama Ture was out there, and there was there was kind of an audible, who is that? Like right away, like right away, you could say you could tell, like he just looked different out there. The receiver, he caught a pass. To me, that was the one of the one one of the young players I wanted to see. Give me give me the sense from some of the other young guys that stood out to you, but especially him. Fama Ture does not look like a freshman. He's a He's a grown ass man. He's very his brother's obviously one of the biggest guys on the team. And Fama Ture at 18 years old must have been working out with him his entire life because he is huge. He's tall too. Uh yep. so yeah, he really stands out just physically. Um to see him make that catch is a good sign. He's been a bit banged up most of the season, so he's healed up and he's playing. And I'm not sure how much of his role he'll play the rest of the year, but I certainly see him being a guy that if they can develop him in the next year or so, can really play a role in a room that desperately needs playmakers. Jesse O'Fury. Had a catch in the first half. I don't know if he started, but he's certainly one of the first wide receivers out. Another guy who was banged up early in the season made his debut. I know he had some good practices uh, in the spring and in, in training camp when he was healthy. So uh, another guy that you develop him down the road could become a factor in the wide receiver room. Sure. And I, I also, it's really interesting because we write about these young guys that got in late in the game. But we always forget that Jashawn Benjamin is a true freshman and yes. Ian Strong is a true freshman. These are two guys that contribute in every game. So it's like a different category of young player. But those guys are incredible too. Ian Strong looks like a different type of a body that Rutgers hasn't had in a really long time as well. So um, just to get back to the other category of young players, like you said, a Johnny Shepard, a quarterback, had a nice drive, some nice throws. He was mobile. Greg was asked about him in his press conference today, and he said what he liked most about him coming out of high school was that he played quarterback like a middle linebacker. 
And he was like the ultimate competitor. And that's why Rutgers, he also ultimately went to offer him when not a lot of FBS schools wanted to take a chance on Johnny Shepard. So yeah, good, good stuff there. And uh, defensively, just a couple other names that I, that uh, we threw out at the end of the game there. Timmy Hinespeeder was a linebacker at a couple stops and Zaire Angoy is a big defensive tackle who had a couple stops there as well. All right, let's dive into true or false. I've got only a few topics, but they're all good ones as always. So here we go. Ready? Always. True or false. The running back pecking order on this team is as follows. One, Manungai. Two, Young. Three, Benjamin. Four, Brown. Do you agree with that running back pecking order based on what we've seen so far this season? Pat, true or false? This is such a hard question. Uh, I think it's <laughs> that's false why it's a good way. one. It's, it's false because of okay. the way you listed it, but uh, okay, yeah, it's really, really, really tough to determine this order. I think false. about it every week. False, okay. Brian, you going with me? You're just baiting a false response when you put Sam Brown as the fourth guy. Well, no, I'm not. Well, you haven't heard my answer yet, so go ahead. It's the most obvious false we've ever had on the show, and there's been very obvious ones before. It's false. How about this? Ready for this? True. Based on what I've seen, I'm going true on this. No way. Based on five games of five games of work, Manungai is clearly the best, number one running back in the team. I, I, every time Young's out there, it looks like he, he he's getting extra yards. Benjamin runs between the tackles really well, and I loved Sam Brown last year. I watched him again. I had one nice run again. He just seems from the injury. He just seems a little hesitant, and I'm not like. Look, I'm I'm not saying he's got he might go out and he might go against Wisconsin. He might have a big game, but right now, based on what I've seen, I, I, I he just he's just missing the gear he had last year so far. Doesn't mean he won't get it again. Doesn't mean he's done. Not giving up on him. I still think he might be the most talented running back, but right now on my list, I would put him fourth. That's a hot take alert. That's, That's a an hot opinion. Take alert. Uh, yeah, <laughs> hot take alert. Uh, you disagree? I, I well, what's been ordered? Give me the Brown order. is a rhythm running back. Okay. And he hasn't had the type of – he had, what, 28 carries against Indiana? What's the most he's had in the game so far this season? Nine, Eight. I think. Nine. Yeah, nine. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I just think you've got to let that kid get in a rhythm, and then you'll see the best of Sam Brown. So what's your order then? Give me your order. Monungai, Brown, Young, Benjamin. You're putting Young ahead, Benjamin. Okay. Is yeah, that your order? Is that your order? Based, yeah. based off youth and experience. Okay. So – not to disparage Aaron Young, obviously. He ran in the fourth quarter of the last two games against dead tired bodies or backups or whoever. So I don't think his – he had some nice runs. I'm not sure they're representative of where he is right now. Sam Brown is still working into shape. I agree with you. He does not look like the Sam Brown of last season. I still think mm-hmm. he has to work through whatever it is with his injury. He still has to get into game shape. But assuming the injury did not irreversibly cause something that he has – he can't play as well as he did last year which I'm not sure there's any conclusive evidence of that. I think once Sam Brown is in game shape, and if he does come close to what he was last year, I think he's easily the best running back in the room. But for now, I would say my order is Manungai. I think he's earned the right to be the number one guy. I think he was he has 27 missed tackles forced in five mm. games. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty good. And he had 16 against Temple, which is insane. Yeah. Anyway, so I'd say Manungai. I would say Brown. I would say Young, and I would say Deshaun. I, I agree. I think Deshaun okay. would be good change of pace guy. Um, and I think the fifth guy, we can clearly say that Al Shadi Salam, I, I just hit my mind. We didn't ask Greg about this. He played quarterback in one snap in the fourth quarter. Did he? I didn't notice that at all. Wow. He okay. did. So I'm not sure if that's a permanent move. I'm not sure what the deal is, but it seems pretty clear he's out of the running back rotation. It's going to be those four guys. That's my order. I would say that it's pretty malleable week to week. I guess we'll see what they do in Wisconsin, which will be a very tough game, obviously, for the running backs. Good debate there. Okay. True or false? That's the biggest thing holding this team back. The biggest concern into this critical stretch remains receiver play. Pat, you buying that? True or false? I think we haven't, we've seen some explosiveness from Jaquay Jackson. We've seen some good things from Dremel. I can't, so I can't buy this. I, I have to say false, even though it was my biggest concern coming into the season for sure. Okay. They, they've stepped it up and, and really uh, done a nice job. Brian? I'll say true. I think the lack of tight end usage in the passing game is a concern, but not something that's going to make or break a game. Jaquay Jackson's been great. I agree with Pat. Trumbull's been good. 
just has I haven't seen a game changing performance yet from a wide receiver. And considering they've played the quote unquote easy part of their schedule, that's a little alarming. Yeah, I, I agree. So true. I haven't seen the separation yet. That that makes me confident there. All right, true or false? Taylor Swift should be dating Isaiah Pacheco. Picked the wrong chief. <laughs> Pat, true or false? Yeah, absolutely. Taylor Swift should be dating Isaiah Pacheco. True. True. Yeah, he's, absolutely. He's our Brian, Jersey guy. Brian. True. He's a uh, obviously a cool kid that we got to know when he was at Rutgers. Travis Kelsey has a great personality. Isaiah Pacheco blows him out of the water. Absolutely true. Uh, I'm going false only because I think Isaiah Pacheco should go for uh, Olivia Rodrigo instead. Is that her name? Did I get her name right? Nailed it. Did you see the way that I did the Taylor Swift celebrating there the way when she when Pacheco starts doing the dance in the end zone? That was pretty. They did the split screen there. I was at the Jets game, so that I, I it's on my mind. But yeah, that was they were they were very excited with uh, with Isaiah Pacheco's pretty cool 48 yard run, and then the Chiefs, the smartest guy in the. Offensive coordinator in football abandoned the run too early. We would be killing him today if they lost that game. Um, so yeah, uh, you, Andy Reid. You think um, Isaiah Pacheco's name will come up in any songs on Taylor Swift's next album? Good point. Wow, that's uh, that would be. I think so. I think he should. It should. I mean, it's got a. It's kind of. It rhymes with lots of things. I'm sure that if I spent some time, I could think about it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That'll be the, names the guys. Come on, you know yeah. this. It's always a subtle dig. The, is that how it works? I don't know. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, ask Candace when she comes on. She's a Swifty. <laughs> right. True or false? Pizza rice balls are absolutely delicious. Pizza rice balls, Pat. You had the pizza absolutely rice balls. Absolutely freaking true. True. Yeah. P- pizza fest. Did you have the rice balls there, Brian? Do you like them? Absolutely, positively true. Okay. And everything I mean, else on the menu we had as well. I didn't get to try the rice balls. But I did buy a nice pizza t-shirt from Pizza Fest. So that was cool. My son's been wearing it all day. All right. A couple more. True or false? The best place to watch a Rutgers game. Section 226, last row. Upper deck, baby. True or false? You, you answer this one. You're the it's only true. one who sat I'm up there. I'm not even going to let you answer it. It's true. Sat up there with, with my new friends. A couple of Robs. Had a great time. It's it's way up there. You get a view of the entire field. You can see the the beautiful bucolic Piscato in New Jersey. It looks bucolic from I think that's right. He says, "Well, I will go, I will look it up in a dictionary later." I think that's the right word. Word. Beautiful view. Old Queens. Some guy lights up a big joint a section apart away from me. It's like it's right relaxed by up there. It's crazy. It's crazy in the upper deck. I had no idea. It was like a different world compared to the rest of the stadium. Best kept secret. All I need is a, is a, is a sunshade uh, tarp. They just want a tarp up there to keep the sun out there. And then that seems reasonable to me with all the money flying around football. Come on, put a tarp up. It's fair. Or at least let them bring an umbrella into the stadium to block out the sun. I don't think those are umbrella carrying guys, though. Dudes, I don't think they want to be bothered with an umbrella. I've, I've met the Robs. They're cool guys. <laughs> I, th- I think they could put their egos aside. And, you know, no one, no one is stronger than the sun, Steve. I think you could put that aside and put up a nice little shade to protect yourself. <laughs> all right. And finally, true or false? Horngate, they reigned in the horn usage because of this podcast. True or false? Do we have that kind of pull in Rutgers? I like the answer to be yes. I don't think we have that kind of pull. Okay, you're going false, Pat. I would like to think that I ha- we have some clout. I would like to think that okay. because the horn was significantly reined in during this game it was it was i think we have to oprah some horn records to see what's going on there um this is my question about the horn so like the cannon the cannon dudes they're like a well-oiled machine the touchdown takes place they make sure they they pause just long enough to make sure it is a touchdown occasionally it might be wrong but and then they fire the cannon and sometimes the horn goes off and then the cannon goes off but what i've noticed is the, the cannon always goes off but sometimes, like, there were a couple touchdowns late in the game that there was no horn. So there's no consistency with the horn. The horn game, to me, it seems like, you know, it's there, it's not there. Sometimes it's too long, sometimes it's too short. Like, that, that's my horn complaint. It wasn't too loud. I thought that was going to be the problem. But that but it was just, it was random. It 100% lowered the volume. That's without a doubt. You barely noticed it in the press box. Okay. Right? Pat was immediately noticed after the first touchdown. That it wasn't anywhere near as loud, right, Pat? I noticed that, and I noticed on third down they only blew it like one time. (laughs) 
it wasn't a dun, 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 you know, so it's been on my list of things that I tracked during the game. And uh, the evidence <laughs> supports the claim that NJM killed the horn. If you, if you ask me, there, there's, there are three answers to the horn. There are three answers. One, our insistent complaining about it and fans on message boards killed the horn. Certainly okay. possible. possible. Two, they knew Steve Politi was going to be in the crowd, and they said, mm-hmm. whatever you do, do not give him ammo for his column. Seems unlikely, but okay. Mm-hmm. Three, the student section was significantly lowered, meaning the volume of the FPS chance was significantly lower, so there was no need for the horn to overcrowd the chance. Right. Although, if you go my film review, my lip reading challenge of the week is a nice young lady who goes to Rutgers, I presume, with full-throated, full heart, everything she has into making the chant. So while the effort was there, there were just not enough people to make it noticeable. That's that's good. Interesting. Yeah, I know you're right. I only heard I only picked up the uh, the naughty chant once during during the course of the game. But I, again, I was sitting, I was sitting for a lot of the game. I was sitting right close to the student section. So too, who knows? Good stuff. All right. So you guys had the pizza experience. Tell me about that. We were treated at Pizza Fest. And we got to give a shout out to Shana Sadow and Kathleen Conlin for everything they did for us. PJ Mullen, of course, uh, took the time out to make sure we were taking care of a pizza fest. And we had so much food. I, I thought I was going to throw up. That was it was I-, I couldn't eat another bite. I was literally stuffed. We sampled, I think, eight different things. And when I say sampled, these weren't little s- slivers of what everyone else was eating they were the whole thing so our pizza handlers (laughs) shana and kathleen they hooked it up and we ate some of the best food that new jersey has to offer and you know we could we could shout out the food trucks if you want you had a little pizza press pass which i thought that was something (laughs) yeah that was something yeah okay it was very cute i know you had the pizza egg roll steve that was your one item what did you think of that I thought it was okay. Yeah, not bad, not bad. I wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't rush out and buy twenty of them, but for a little snack, good, well, pretty good. Yep. We had a pizza melt. We had pizza burger. We had this. What was it called? A chimney cake pet, where chimney it was so cake. the yeah. hole was so big, you put your arm through it. Yep. Mm. Yep. It was fascinating. Masarepas, and yeah, the pizza burger from Marley's Wings and Things was top notch. Probably my number one thing. Agreed. The only disappointing thing is that we were promised some wacky items, pizza ice cream, pizza coffee. There was no pizza coffee to be found anywhere. My understanding is they experimented with it, and there was just no possible solution to that. And pizza ice cream, which I was curious how they do it, they ended up just giving us ice cream in the shape of pizza, which creative, not exactly what I was hoping for. All right, fair enough. Pizza Fest was a success based on... Based on whatever what I heard about it, so yeah, I mean, it wasn't a great crowd, but it was Wagner. A lot of people had some flooding in the area, so um, I think that that kind of contributed to it. But yeah, I mean, it was a nice day at the stadium, that's for sure. And I loved it. Everyone who I met out there, uh, sitting in the stands, I had a great time. I really did. And I, and I wrote this about uh, the boardwalk being a, a cool thing. It is. I understand why you guys are late to game sometimes. I, I, I will I will lay off that for at least a week. Um, but yeah, no, it was uh, it, it, the, the atmosphere at the stadium is far better than it was, you know, five five years ago, much less 25 years ago. So that's a good thing. Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Nights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. All right. Questions? We dive into some questions. Again, we want to thank everyone for sending them in for our nj.com slash Rutgers Insider. If you are not yet registered, I can't emphasize this enough. Tickets are going fast. If you want to come hang out with us, have a free beer at the Blackthorn on Thursday, please sign up now. You'll find the link uh, on our page. And um, yeah, please come. We're going we're gonna to have a great time on Thursday night. And we will answer questions live. We're going to hand you guys a microphone after giving you beer. So 
I can only imagine what that's going to be like. But hey, that's why. That's why we have sensor, sensor buttons, right? Okay, here we go. Got a question from uh, Rocco wants to know. We have five winnable games. I'm ranking them from hardest to easiest. Wisconsin, Maryland, Iowa, Michigan State, Indiana. Do you agree? Fellas, how do you like Rocco's ranking? Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, that's exactly how I would rank him. I think he's spot on. Uh, he wouldn't switch Iowa with Maryland. Iowa on the road, good defense. Ask, ask Fonz. Yeah. Who's the, biggest, who's the biggest Maryland guy? Uh, oh, boy. I'm, I've been pumping the turps for this top 25 every <laughs> week, and I get nothing. I got Fresno State this week. That's, that's He's now true. doing it just to spite you. I voted Maryland number 25 this week, and unfortunately they did. They were just under the cutoff. I would say it would be a tighter race You know, four days ago. As I mentioned before, Iowa's quarterback, Cade McNamara, is not going to play. He's out for the year. At least that's what the reporting from 247 Sports heard a, had a serious knee injury against Michigan State over the weekend. So his offense is already incredibly challenged. And without their starting quarterback, I just can't see them being anywhere near competent. Maryland, meanwhile, has maybe the best mm-hmm. offense outside of the top three teams. Mm-hmm. Tagovailoa looks absolutely incredible. They smoked Indiana. Smoked them. I think they're probably the second hardest team Rutgers will face for sure, of the winnable games, I should say. And um, Indiana is an absolute mess. They fired their OC. Tom Allen is just grasping for anywhere to save himself from getting fired. I think Rutgers absolutely has to win that game. So, yeah, I, I think I think Rocco nailed it. Rocco nailed it. Good job, Rocco. We, I agree with you totally, too. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Biggest, here's another question. Biggest surprises through the first four games. Uh, biggest concerns for the next four. Uh, I think in my first five games, that's okay. We'll count Wagner as well. Uh, my biggest surprise remains the offensive line. I know Gavin Wimstead took a sack against Wagner, but it was more of a you know, more of a covered sack than certainly being under pressure. He held the ball too long. I mean, to me, it's still the most amazing thing that they have managed to eliminate the pressure on the quarterback. I get it. The defenses are not to the level that they might face later in the season, but they didn't give up a sack to Michigan. So that, to me, I don't know if you guys agree or disagree. It's a great it's a great point. There's no question about it. My biggest surprise is how competent the offense is after being one of the worst offenses in the country last season, how quickly it's really come together. Mm-hmm. I think it, the job that Shiraka has done has been just tremendous. Brian, you, know, you got one? I'll cling on to that. Just Gavin only throwing one interception in five games, 106 oh, yeah. attempts. I mean, that's pretty impressive. I, I again I'm not quite sure if it's him not making you know tight throws or difficult throws or if it's Shiraka's play calling. I don't know if it's whatever it is. The fact he's only thrown one interception, that's not even really his fault. I think it's very impressive, and that's the key to uh, to Pat's point, the offense looking competent. All right, another question. Dave from Basking Ridge, something I hadn't considered. Do you think Shiano was running up the score in Wagner? And Sean in Baltimore also jumped in on that one. I'm a little surprised Wagner is okay with Rutgers taking timeouts and going for it on fourth down and continuing <laughs> to push for scores late in the game. Is that just accepted when you're a one double A team? that you'll be treated as a practice squad. Uh, I didn't have a problem with it in the moment. Looking back, what do you think? Wagner had hundreds of thousands of reasons to not complain. (laughs) There you go. Yes, pretty much. Well said. Well said. They know. I guess they know. They know that they know the deal. I think it'd be different if they were really throwing it like, you know, if it was 16 to nothing and they're throwing to the end zone from, it just didn't strike me. And there were a couple of games like, I remember like a few against Morgan State back in the day where I was like, eh, you know, I don't know. Um, but this one didn't really come across that way to me. I don't know. And I thought the way the final drive, you wanted to get a Johnny Shepard, a legitimate series. Yes. So it wasn't like they were deliberately driving right. for the end zone on that. They wanted to let the kid play. So I, I can understand that. I don't think they ran it up. Right. All right. Some uh, some other questions on the offense. Uh, this one, uh, the repeated question. Do you believe that Rutgers now has the quarterback to lead them in the fourth quarter in a tight game against a quality opponent? Meaning, does he have the arm to get the ball downfield? We know he's got a great arm. Uh, I was looking at the stats. I mean, he already has eclipsed, almost eclipsed his entire 2022 totals. I mean, he's, you know, completion rates up 10% about. Uh, still five passing TDs, but through five games versus eight games, 757 yards versus 733. So he's right there. I mean, I, I, again, we talked about his improvement. Pat, are you, uh, Brian answered it earlier, but are you confident that, that he's going to be able to do it against the Wisconsin? I view this in steps, and I think he's at the perfect step. I think he's where he's exactly, he's exactly where he needs to be. 
in his development. I don't think he's ready to be lighting it up a la Gary Nova at points in his career or the way Mike Teal threw the ball when he was a senior. I think the way that Gavin Wimsett is playing is exactly where you, what you'd expect in year one with Shiraka. They're simplified the offense for him. They're making things. They're trying to help him with decision-making. And I think you're seeing the growth. I just don't think he's at a place where he's going to be lighting it up like Tugavailoa is or you know, even J.J. McCarthy at Michigan. But I think he's taken a good step, and he showed you against Michigan that he can lead a pretty good drive and make throws mm-hmm. uh, when he's when he has to. So am I confident he's going to lead a fourth-quarter comeback against Wisconsin? My answer is probably no. It's hard to be confident since we haven't seen it yet. Would I be surprised if he does it? No, I would not be surprised either. I would be mildly surprised. You'd be mildly surprised. I would say, like, it wouldn't be the craziest thing I've ever seen, but... I would be very impressed. 17, 17, 13. He leads him to a touchdown in the fourth quarter. You'd be, you'd be mildly surprised. Okay. I guess that's fair. 17, 13. There's a minute 45 Mm. left. They're at their 20 yard line. You got to go 80 yards in, in a two minute drill. I Mm -hmm. like to your point, I haven't seen that yet. I think he is certainly capable of it, but you get one shot. It's one drive. You know, it's not the second quarter. It's I I have to see it before I believe it. All right. We've had some uh, special teams questions. Some people want to know why the onside kick in that game. Any thoughts? So we, Shiano asked, answered the question about the kickoff. Sounded like that was just a physical error, the kickoff that led to Wagner's three points. We're not going to get none of those three points. Uh, um, what was with the onside kick? I have two theories. One, they want to put it on tape. So Wisconsin has to spend, you know, whatever seventh intern they have has to spend 30 minutes breaking it down for no reason. And two, to give them an opportunity in a game that it's not, you know, you're not really risking anything. At some point, he's going to have to kick an onside kick in a game situation. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to give him a chance to experiment in a game situation, you know, in the second quarter or first quarter against Wagner versus in a tight spot against Wisconsin, for example. Right. Right. No, I'm going to throw a third conspiracy theory at you. Mm. Uh, they saw that Wagner was just dropping guys on kick return and they saw an opportunity that, to execute the play. And it was as simple as that. If it went one more yard, they would have recovered that onside kick. It just didn't go. Just didn't go ten yeah. yards. Yeah. I thought that the opening was clearly there. But isn't Good that point. doesn't doesn't that fall under running it up against Wagner? Like <laughs> it was the first quarter. Yeah, exactly. Can't run up, can't run up the score in the first quarter. Yeah, I agree with Pat on that one. Yeah, all right, fair enough. Some other question. We got one basketball question from oh the court club chiming in. Can you talk a little bit about what you've heard about Rutgers basketball's new offense? And if you've seen it in practice, Hood stood out. I have my first glimpse. I'm not the guy. Like, I'm not Jerry Carino. I can't give you 3,000 words on a basketball practice. I did watch it. Uh, I talked to Cliff Umori. Look on the website for what I thought was really just a great, honest. He's bullish on this team. He really likes the way this team's going to play offensively. And I saw it. And the thing that stood out, and this was, I think this was great. You know, Steve Peichel is having them play with a 12 seconds on the shot clock and to get to get shots quicker, to get shots earlier. And I don't know if, if you're watching, if you watch Rutgers basketball the last, I mean, can, eternity, but last few years, so many times in these big 10 games, it, it seems like you're passing up shots early, waiting for, you know, waiting for something to materialize that never does. And you take a four shot anyway with, you know, what the shot clock expires, you know, I, I, I the guys that stood out, I mean, I, for me, I just, if you look at some of the older the older guys, obviously, you know, the experienced guys, Gavin Griffiths could be really good. I think they are much more athletic uh, in the backcourt than they were before. Like, I don't know if this means better. I do know that they are different. Right. And that's what Cliff said. And uh, he told a great story. Read the comment, please. But like about how um, they were down 30 points in one of those Senegal games. And it was like after hiking for six hours on some island in Sen- in Senegal. They get to this gym. It's 105 degrees. They're down 30 points, and they just put the pressure on and came back to win this game in exciting fashion. And I don't think that was out there before. And and he used that as an example of just what this team's capable of offensively. My only question is, you can run fast. You can be. You can have these guards that can penetrate the paint and go to the rack. But if you don't have shooters on the outside that space the floor out, teams could just pack the paint and force you to shoot shots and miss them on threes, right? So mm-hmm. they're going to need guys like Gavin Griffiths, to your point, to have a big freshman year. Noah Fernandes to kind of continue what he did at UMass as an outside shooter. Um, Antonio Chole, I know you saw a little positive glimpse of him when you were at practice. He's a guy. He's a guy <laughs> who they really hope turns his practice shooting form into a game shooting form. 
Um, they have big shoes to fill with Cam Spencer and Paul Mulcahy leaving. Say what you will about the way they left, but they left a lot of three-point shots made. And unless Andre Hyatt takes an improvement and those new guys start hitting shots, that to me is the major concern of you can be fast all you want. You can drive to the paint all you want. It's going to get swatted and the paint's going to be packed unless you can open the floor up and hit some threes. I guess it's interesting, and this is the theory on this. And again, we have to see it. We have to see. If, I didn't see enough to really have a, a huge opinion, but I do think that Gavin Griffiths is going to be an upgrade as a, as an outside shooter compared to both Mulcahy and Spencer. I think he's got a better shot. And if that's the case, then if No Fernandes is as good distributing the ball, if he can, if he is the kind of point guard that you know, for the most part, Rutgers hasn't had. Let's be honest. You know, if he is the kind of guy who's pushing it up the court. Unlike, you know, some of those possessions where, okay, he was dribbling backwards across the half court line on some of these, you know, nothing against him. It's just the way they played. I just think there is an opportunity for some easy transition buckets because you know they have, you know, they have the players who can score at center, certainly in Cliff and on the wing. You know that Cam Spencer shot like 44% on threes, like the best three-point shooter Rutgers has had in a decade. Okay. Yeah. I'd say Graham Griffiths is going to be a high volume, a higher volume at the same percentage. Yes, I do think he's going to be better than Cam Spencer. Absolutely, as a freshman. So Gavin Griffiths is going to be one of the greatest three-point shooters in Rutgers basketball history as a freshman. That's that. I mean, this kid, yes, I absolutely think he's going to be excellent back there. He's going to replace Cam Spencer. Take alert number two. I've got two in a row, man. This is not, I don't think this is that hot of a take. I mean, what? This is one of the better recruits in the country. Hey, look. I, Richard Kent told me this on Twitter, okay? Is that enough? <laughs> Listen, that's, you. Uh, that's great. That's, Thank you. That's all you that's need to great. know. That's great. I don't think it's impossible. Feel your sources, Belitti. <laughs> I don't think it's impossible. I think it's a lot of expectations to put on a, a freshman. Those are really good numbers, man. I'm just saying, those are really, really good numbers. But to your point, he might have to shoot that well for Rutgers to have uh, a really good offense this year. All right, we've got plenty of time to talk basketball, of course. Uh, we've got some more. Let's see what we got here. People want to know, will Rutgers ever stop playing FCS schools? Scarlet Burner sent this one from Twitter. I think the answer to that is no. But do you see a scenario where the Wagner comes off the schedule and they they, they play uh, another quote-unquote real team? Not unless the Big Ten mandates them. Yeah. Not, not unless the new schedule becomes all-conference. No. I mean, you heard Greg Schiano talk about New Hampshire ad nauseum last week. I don't think he wants anything close to that happening again uh all right another one uh, with mel tucker officially fired at michigan state what are the big 10 rules on other teams poaching players uh do players need to make overtures first to prospective schools and uh do as Rutgers, do you think Rutgers would target any of the michigan state players i think there are a couple of jersey guys on that team i don't know you know i, I again this is kind of more of a todrick thing todrick hunt uh, our recruiting expert thing but yeah uh gus from flemington asked the question what do you guys think they have 30 days to go into the transfer portal after he got fired. That's the big news. Uh, okay. Tra- you know, the like the, the, pan- the portal opens up again for them, so they can freely transfer. The jersey name that you're, I think, referring to, Politi, is Jalen Berger, the running back from Don Bosco, who's at Michigan State. I don't, not sure that there's a another running back opening in this backfield for Rutgers, but uh, he was obviously one of the biggest recruits to come out of New Jersey in the last couple of years, so. If there's a guy to go after, maybe it's Jalen Berger. What about uh, Gio Vandemark? Oh yeah, Gino. I would be surprised if he if Rutgers uh, goes after Gino. And to answer Gus's question, teams can't make over. They're not supposed to make overtures and tamper with the players. The tam- the players have to enter the transfer portal. I would be surprised if Rutgers went after Gino or Jalen if they do enter the portal. To be clear. We'll find out what happens. It should be interesting to see what that the state of that program when they get here. It's going to be, uh, um, yeah, really telling. They played hard against Iowa, but Iowa again, as you you mentioned, had their own issues in that game. All right, one more, and this is an important question: Do we know why they do, they don't have the grease trucks on the boardwalk? Fat cat and fat sandwiches are Rutgers classics. Every time I take an old lump to the game, they ask about it. I don't know that you know did occur to me of all those trucks. Do the grease trucks? Here, here's a question i should have the answer to do the grease trucks drive do they move or are they like a stationary thing that just parked there forever they were parked there forever okay then they paved over the parking lot to put up the yard and okay. they created a new mobile grease truck 
I got you. So but I'm not sure. I haven't seen that in, in a couple of years. So I don't know mm. if that exists anymore. Mm. Uh, they just have the store. Are you the storefront? Are you hungry now? Mm. In okay. the yard. So, but uh, we do have the sources, uh, you know, Shana and Kathleen, our marketing experts yeah. to ask this question now. So stay tuned for a follow up. We'll get back to you. Fair we'll enough. Yeah. On that one. All right. Great job for the questions. Thanks to everybody. All right. So are we ready for really podcast history here this week? Our first guest to talk a little field hockey with one of New Jersey's greatest field hockey players of all time just happens to be your wife, Pat Lanny. Yeah, this is uh, this is great. This is great. Yeah, uh, she's she's really pumped up. We watched the game together. Mm, I asked her some really hard hitting questions like, why are they watering the turf? <laughs> what how would you how would you enca- encapsulate your entire knowledge of field hockey uh it's really really vast and in-depth is how i would categorize it yeah uh-huh yeah so i'm learning you- steve i'm learning yeah no, that's a good question perhaps candace lanny knows all right let's 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 go let's go to the expert herself Candace, thank you for joining us. This as I don't know if you're aware, you are our first guest ever on the Rutgers Rant. I was not aware of that, and I'm yes. incredibly honored to be here. So thank you. <laughs> All right. So Rutgers beat Maryland three to two in over penalty shots. Is that what they're called? Yes. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. Brian, you were there. So you, I'm sure you have an educated question to ask about this. Yes. I've been dying to ask for days. It looked like Rutgers had tied the game 1-1. Everyone went crazy in the place, but the ref waved it off. My understanding is that when you're taking a corner, a shot has to be deflected. Otherwise, if it hits the net and not the black backboard, it doesn't mm-hmm. count. Why? Correct. So it's a it's a danger thing, right? So shooting off of a corner, like that ball's coming at you really hard and really fast. So unless it is deflected up into the net. The rule is that it does have to hit that black backboard and it's all it's all for safety precaution for the four crazy people running out directly at someone hitting a ball really hard out of that net. So what's the what's the hardest you've been hit by a ball before you go on? I'm curious. It, it... Well, I did um, get hit, uh, jammed my thumb in between the stick and ball. So split it right down the middle. That was that was probably the worst. That was the only break that I've had. But I've seen some really nasty, nasty. Okay. All right. I didn't rip the Big Ten refs in my recap of the game. You're saying they did a good job taking away that goal. Yes, that was accurate. Accurate call. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So um, a three-two win. You watched the entire thing. Did Rutgers? Does Rutgers look like a national contender level team to you? I think so. It's a great question. Also, I, I need to thank you both because I got a date night out of this. So we, we've, Pat and I watched the game together. Um, we did watch the whole thing. I thought Rutgers was really strong. Honestly, it was back and forth. Most of the game, Maryland has been a contender since I was in college, right? 15, 20 years ago, almost at this point. Um, so they're always going to be a fierce competitor. And I thought Rutgers was very strong, dominated really the circle play. So where you can actually score a goal that half circle around the net. I think if they just crisp up a little bit finishing, right? So shots you've probably seen now can be few and far between. So it's really important that you capitalize on those opportunities. And I think if they can just crisp that up a little bit better and make sure they're again, capitalizing on breakaways or 2v1s they will be really difficult to stop <laughs> through this postseason that was my original takeaway way too many shots not enough goals what's going on ladies so yeah um, yeah you yeah. touched on you touched on it tell me tell us your credentials pat doesn't brag about you enough tell us about your field hockey credentials why we should believe in candace <laughs> lanny's analysis well, you know, I was thinking about this this morning and I don't even remember. I don't know if I could give myself a good intro, but I did play. So I played division one field hockey at Princeton University. Um, while I was there, we were a four-time Ivy League champion. I was co-captain two years in a row, my junior and senior year. Um, also had some all Ivy honors while I was there as well, but just love the game, have played afterwards here and there. Um, and I'm a huge fan. So it's changed quite a bit since I was there, but I think for the better, it's a faster and really more, um, I guess, 
like quick and high energy game. So when you started to tell, when you started to tell um, Pat that you were a field hockey player, did he pretend to know field hockey? Did he say, oh, field hockey, of course, I am, I am a noted sports writer. Did he, like, (laughs) did he try to fake it and just like. You know, I'll give him kudos. No, he didn't try to fake it. I believe he said, (laughs) quote, I've been to one field hockey game ever. It was a game at Brown when his brother, um, who I know from college, was at Brown for a summer doing an internship of some kind. And they went and watched one game together. And I that might be the only game he's still seen. <laughs> so until the past couple of years. Nice. All right. Well, we, I'm glad we got a date. You got a date now. Was he a cheap date? I mean, did you get like some good food at least to do something after, afterward? I know you've got the baby at home, so it can't do much. No. Um, well, date night, I mean, yes, means something different now. So maybe in pajamas, laying on the couch watching watching this game like qualified (laughs) as a date night for us so um we'll step it up next time so if you could could give me another assignment then i'll get in advance and we can really make this happen big 10 tournament previews yes break the big 10 i think yes i think this is absolutely a regular feature throughout this (laughs) this season and to be honest with you i i i think brian will agree we kind of like you better than him anyway maybe we just what do you think? Well, will- Wally Pip him? Wally Pip this? <laughs> we'll leave it up to the to the listeners. We'll do a nice little poll. Last time at the live pod on Thursday, we'll do a Which live lady? feed. Yay, nay. Which Lanny do you want on the podcast? Yes. That's Those great. little faces hold up him or me, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much for talking some field hockey with us. Excellent job. We appreciate it. Our Thank first you. guest ever, History. Thank you for having me again. Um, I'm really excited uh, about this and yeah, I'm happy to, to chat anytime. So go are you. All right. We'll have you back on in this later in the season. Thanks, Candace. Thank you. All right. We got the boring Lanny back. I tell you, that was, we know more. And Brian had like a good question. Like he was about to rip. I could imagine reading Brian's top take on the big 10 field hockey officiating Clearly, he was wrong because he was explained the rules of the rules of the sport were explained on this podcast. First Good. time ever. If you see a poll on Twitter to, uh, later on about which Lanny should continue on the podcast going forward, don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. She was that good. And don't vote. Don't yeah, vote. I won't. I won't vote. I will, will not be offended. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things that Mrs. Lanny does better than than myself. <laughs> I'm not shocked that podcasting is one of them. That's awesome. Uh, all right, guys. Appreciate it. Anything else we got? Anything, any other topics? I would bring up soccer like I usually do, but the two teams have had a rough weekend and a rough season. So I think we can skip that segment. Let's go on. Let's skip it. That's Sounds good. Announced the schedule today. If you're into that, they got nine home duels, which nice. is uh, double from last season, which caused a little riff with the fans. So, oh, wow. Okay. People are, people are pumped that they have nine home matches this year, all at Jersey Mike's Arena. So, They'll be there. They'll be loud and proud. Any of them you're looking nice. forward to, Pat, in particular? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, number four, Virginia Tech will be coming to the rack. That's actually the day before the Penn State football game. So it'll be a busy time for, for Patrick Lanny, the the second best Lanny on the podcast. <laughs> second best by a long distance. All right. Thank you, fellas. Everyone, once again, hopefully we will see you on Thursday night in New Brunswick. For the live podcast, we'll make our picks. We're going to play a live episode of the alumni game. Maybe we can print out some pictures and show show Fonseca this week instead of having just given the names. We'll figure something out. It's going to be a blast. Hope we see you all there. Until then, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.